pray together. <clears throat> Father, I confess uh, my own unworthiness. And with confidence, I confess your worthiness. And so, Lord, uh, I pray uh, that you would uh, use me uh, uh, conflicted, uh, inadequate vessel. And Lord that, um, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would use your spirit, combine it with your word, and you would transform us into new people. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, over the next um, few Sundays, uh, we're going to look at a, a big chunks of uh, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 uh, at, the Christmas, at the Christmas narrative. And um, Luke, as you know, is also the author of Acts. So there will be some similar uh, tones and uh, contours to what we'll see in Luke 1 and 2 uh, with what we've been exposed to uh, in Acts. And uh, the passage we'll look at tonight is uh, a surprise of all surprises. Uh, and it really, it really kind of got me thinking, um, when, when were some times I've been surprised in my life? Uh, one time was when I walked into North Lime Donuts and I saw bacon on a donut. I'd never seen bacon on a donut before. Um, another time uh, has been, you know, this, this season. Um, I'm not used to UK winning nine football games, maybe even ten. It's been a bit of a surprise, hasn't it? Um, I thought about my brother. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law uh, were told that they were going to have a boy for their first child, only to find out in the living room that they're actually having a girl. Uh, it was quite a surprise. Uh, but really, what surprise is, is this um, brief emotional response to an experience that doesn't align with our expectations. Surprise is a brief emotional response to an experience that does not align with our expectations. See, really, we all have this matrix through which we view life. We have rules. Some of them are conscious, some are not, of how, life, how we think life should work. See, I held to a rule that donuts don't include bacon. Uh, life doesn't include UK winning nine, maybe even ten football games. Doctors get the gender of babies right every single time. But as we know... Life doesn't work according to these rules. Thus, surprise enters our lived experience. And in some ways, Christmas is full of surprises for us, isn't it? Oftentimes, you don't know what you're getting for Christmas, and then you're surprised when you open your gift. Uh, you, you get surprised at who flies off the handle at Christmas. You don't know if it's going to be uh, Cousin Jimmy. might be Aunt Sally. It might be your brother-in-law because he's had one or four too many. But the surprise is who flies off the handle. There's lots of surprises. But in other ways, Christmas is about as predictable as a run-of-the-mill Thursday afternoon because we've fallen into these routines and these traditions that we've established year after year after year. And you look at the original Christmas story, and what you see in it is that it's chock full of surprises. There's angels. There's leaping in utero babies. There are miraculous pregnancies. Uh, it's surprising the, the, the kind of visitors that come and visit Jesus once he's born. Uh, you've got Persian dignitaries all the way down to sheep who come to get their eyes on this newborn Jesus. And some of us, when you hear this passage tonight or you hear about Christmas in general, you have a really hard time with these surprises. 
and especially those that are of a supernatural nature. In fact, it might be more correct to say that the way you view uh, the world that we call Christmas, that you see it as a myth, that you see it as a piece of folklore. And I understand that. And maybe you believe it to be a myth, you believe it to be a piece of folklore, because you think science has proven that there's no such thing as miracles. But let me ask you a question, if that's you. What if science only proves the things that are natural? What if the supernatural does exist, but science cannot attest for it? See, what Christian theology does is that it states that God created the world from nothing. So for a Christian, it's completely logical to believe in the possibility of miracles, because miracles in this case just become occasions where God rearranges his creation as and when he wishes. So there's surprises, there's the supernatural, there's the miraculous that we will see in our text tonight. Most of all, there's a surprise. So let's start reading in verse 26 of chapter 1 in your bulletin. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. She tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Uh, By looking at this passage, I want to hang its contents on two hooks. Uh, The first is uh, the surprising nature of the announcement and the surprising nature of Mary's submission. So the announcement and the submission. Both of them are surprising. So let's look at the announcement first. Uh, the first couple of verses here, 26 and 27, are really painting a scene for us. You, the scene is the backdrop. The context is this little bitty place on the backside of nowhere called Nazareth. Gee, the angel shows up to Mary, not in Antioch, not in Jerusalem, certainly not in Athens or Rome, but in Nazareth. This place that we call Nazareth, is the first century equivalent to many small towns in Kentucky. Maybe you've heard of some of these, but there are places in Kentucky that really are called rabbit hash. Black gnat. Pig. Oddville. Possum trot. Monkey's eyebrow. And there's even this place called Booger Branch. Now these are real places, real places. 
In fact, the only way you, I can really tell you where they're at is if I told you what county they're in. Well, that's why the author includes the little detail called a region called Galilee. Because the only way they were going to know where Nazareth was is if he said the state that they were in, the region that they were in. Galilee. And so that's where this announcement takes place, is on the backside of nowhere. And, it, it, and this, this angel visitation not just happens on the backside of nowhere, but happens to almost a nobody, a no person. This was a woman in the first century Judaism. Would have, you would have never even thought that an angel would appear to a woman. But that's what happened. This wasn't just any woman. This was a preteen. This was someone who's somewhere between 12 and 14 years of age, and she's very, very poor. And the reason we know she's poor is by what her and Joseph offer in Luke chapter 2. They offer birds, doves, pigeons as their sacrifice. Well, this was a provision in the Old Testament law for poor people to make an equal sacrifice to those who had means. Those who had means would, would offer something more pricey that, that was also a sacrifice. It would be a lamb or it would be a bull. So we know that she was very, very poor. And that's Mary for you. A woman who's very young and who's very poor. It's a surprising visitation, a surprising announcement, just based on where and who this happens to. And the angel comes. And the name, and angel's name here is Gabriel. And you can read more about Gabriel if you want to in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And he comes and he makes this announcement to this young poor girl. And he needs to tell her something, something very important, that she's going to give birth to God. We know that that's what he's trying to imply because there, he piles up these inferences to the baby's divine nature. Some of the inferences are more subtle. Some of them are quite plain. Let's walk through them together. Uh, look at verse 28. Says the Lord is with her. This is subtle. He could have said that to any believer. Lord is with her. Then verse 32. She's going to have a son. The son's name is going to be great. And be called son of the most high. Not very subtle. Then there's this foretelling that he will sit on the throne of his father, of his father David. Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, if you read 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, you'll see that God makes David a promise. And the promise that he makes to David is that someone from his lineage will be king forever of God's people. Oh, immediately this was fulfilled. God gives David a son whose name was Solomon who ended up being king. But the promise has a view that goes way beyond Solomon. And the angel in this telling, in this announcement, is saying that the long-off purview that was given to David in 2 Samuel 7 is now being fulfilled in the son who's going to come from Mary. Not so subtle. Might be to our, to, to our ears, but to a first century Jew, not so subtle. Then in verse 33, it says that his kingdom will have no end. So this isn't just a king. This is going to be an eternal king. And then in verse 35, you see the two titles? The titles are holy and son of God. Well, son of God certainly isn't subtle. This is, this is the announcement that this angel has come to make. It's a surprising one. So this angel shows up in this town, which is composed of lean-tos and sheds. There's nothing impressive about this place. Yet he comes and he delivers a cosmic-sized announcement to a poor preteen woman that she's going to give birth to God. 
And that sounds like a surprise to me, doesn't it to you? And what we learn about the nature of this announcement is that God is not an elitist. God goes to great lengths to identify with the most humble people in the world because Jesus' birth was like any other common birth. What God's doing in here is that he's sending a gift, the gift of salvation to human beings in this unadorned package of simplicity. Now, if you or I, if we were given this task of being uh, the, the, the event planner for the arrival of the King of Kings, the arrival of the one who's going to undo all that has gone wrong in the world, wouldn't you have picked a big city instead of a small one? Wouldn't you have, have chosen, um, wouldn't you have chosen a, a woman of some social stature? You and I, we would have included all the pomp and all the circumstance, all the pomp and circumstance that we could muster for the arrival of the King of Kings. Last night I was reading uh, this article about um, Amazon choosing its second headquarters. Maybe you've heard about it. If, if you haven't, um, it's really interesting. But it's been several, several months ago, maybe even over a year ago, Amazon announced we're going to build our second headquarters. We're going to uh, employ 50,000 professionals, okay? Not, not 50,000 people for a warehouse like the kind we have, but for 50,000 professionals. A lot, of, a lot of technology people here. A lot of engineers involved here. A lot of executives involved here. So the, the, the sounding goes out. In 238 cities across the United States and Canada, they put in applications. They put in presentations on why their city should be considered as the home of Amazon's second headquarters. Well, they pick out 20 from these 238. And executives from Amazon go to these uh, 20 cities, and they go on, uh, on a 24-hour tour. One of the ones that's part of the 20 was Indianapolis. And uh, the people who were made the pitch for Indianapolis and who were kind of in charge of, of selling Amazon in Indianapolis, uh, they ordered that the 11-mile stretch of road, most of it which was interstate, from the airport all the way to their destination, Indianapolis, 11 miles, would be completely free of trash. So they picked up over 555-gallon barrels of trash to impress the Amazon executives when they come into town. Wait to burst your bubble, but they didn't pick Indianapolis. And Jesus' arrival really was just the opposite. So it should catch us by surprise that Jesus would come in this way, but this isn't the biggest surprise. This isn't the humble nature of the way in which Jesus came. The biggest surprise is that God is going to become a man and be born to a virgin. Now, even if you're not a big church-going kind of person, you've probably heard about this story a lot. But just to, so it lands on your ears made perhaps a bit differently, being a virgin and having a baby makes about as much sense as harvesting crops without ever planting any seeds. It's where the supernatural breaks in here. The God who created human beings from dust is also able to create human life in a womb without the help of a man. There's a mysteriousness here. You've got angels. You've got vir virgin births. There's some, this event is colored with cryptic tones. 
really what it's doing is it's bearing witness to the historical event that we can't describe with literal terms. You can dig in all the history you want. You can pine the literary forms, but that kind of analysis is only going to get you so far. At some point, you and I, we've got to believe that there is a God who at one and the same time comes without any pretense whatsoever. But he also came through a miraculous virgin birth. And really what should happen in us as we make this recognition is that we should be filled with awe. Look at verse 37. Verse 37 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. I remember this is one of the verses as a kid I loved memorizing because it was so short. <laughs> For nothing will be impossible with God. Well, yeah, this applies to the virgin birth. Sure, it applies to the incarnation that God is going to come in the flesh. But for nothing is impossible, will be impossible with God also applies to you and it applies to me. It should be utterly astounding that God would ever come to earth to save those who turn their backs on him. You could read in John chapter 1, really a Christmas passage that you will read if you read what we've got back there. You will read John chapter 1 and in it, I think it's verse 13, it says this. That Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. Why would Jesus do that? Why would he bother? Why would he put up with this kind of lack of appreciation? It's because it's not impossible for God to love sinners. See, Jesus, he left the comforts of heaven to endure the scorn and endure the rejection of men and women, men and women like me and you. He died the death of a criminal, though he was innocent. He rose again from the grave to show you and me that no matter how low we get, we can't get any lower than he got in his death. Yet there was hope for him on the other side. And this should be a surprising announcement to you tonight, friends. Yeah, I'm not showing up and saying, hey, you're going uh, to uh, give birth to God as a virgin. That simply is, I mean, it's impossible. It may be really impossible with me. And that's not the announcement that's coming to you tonight. The, the announcement that's coming to you is that God loves you. He took note of your lowly estate and he came. See, when we hear this story, we should see this huge gulf created. On one end of the gulf, there's the greatness and love of God. And on the other side of the gulf, there's the smallness and sin of mankind. And when you see that between this great divide and between this great gulf, God has crossed the gulf. He's bridged the divide through his son, Jesus Christ. When you see that he's done that for you, it should leave you surprised. It should leave you perplexed. And it should leave you in a state of awe. For nothing is impossible with God, even him loving sinners. A surprising announcement has come to us. And then we also see here, and I hope we see it in ourselves in just a moment, a surprising submission. 
And in this surprising submission, what I want us to see is really the, the, the words that describe Mary's interior state. We know what's going on in her gut during this passage. In verse 29, you read that she's troubled. In verse 30, the angel Gabriel says, do not be afraid. So we know she's scared. So she's troubled. She's scared. And in verse 34, she asks a question after being told very clearly what's going to happen. <laughs> so that reveals to us that she's got some uncertainty, some doubt about her. See, so do you see this combination of what's going on in her gut? She's troubled. She's scared. And she's uncertain. And it makes a lot of sense. Because if you are a nobody from nowhere and an angel shows up to you and tells you that you're having a baby, even though you've never had sex, I think you'd be troubled, you'd be afraid, and you'd be uncertain too. These are perfectly expected emotional responses. But the surprise comes in verse 38, doesn't it? See, if someone told you, if you, if, 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 if you were, never heard this story, and someone gave you verses 26 through 37 and said, hey, make a prediction for verse 38. You'd probably say, well, I, I think it sounds like this young girl. I think she's going to tuck tail and run. I think she's going to go for the hills on this one. That would make sense, but it would also make sense that in the midst of the unexpected, in the midst of the supernatural, and in the midst of miraculous, there might just be a surprising response that comes from Mary. And that's what we see in verse 38. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Fascinating, isn't it? She submitted to God's call in her life. And I think the biggest way we see it in verse 38 is what she, how she sees herself, what she identifies within herself. And what is it? It's that she's a servant. She's aware that she doesn't bring any outstanding credentials to this task that she's been given. Her resume communicates that she is not prepared for the job. So really, all that Mary's got going for her here is her availability. But availability is the most basic characteristic for any of us that we can offer God. See, God can do anything through you, whatever he wishes he can use anyone to accomplish anything. Think about the scriptures. Numbers chapter 22. You need to read this later. Numbers chapter 22. God needed to deliver a message. You know who he did it through? A donkey. He need, God wants to deliver his people from Egypt. He looks around and he says, you know what? I'm going to pick the murderer. The one who's hiding in shame in a place called Midian, who's married to a non-Israelite. That's how I'm going to use to save my people from slavery. God wants to go uh, tell the people of Nineveh about the great salvation that he has to offer. He chooses an unwilling missionary, Jonah. God decides he wants to protect a couple of his leaders. And he stashes them away in Rahab's house. Rahab is a Gentile prostitute. God can use anybody. And then, to the foremost leader of his church, the Apostle Paul was also the chief most persecutor of his people before he was converted. So here in Luke chapter 1, 
God is going to use an almost non-person from an almost non-place to be the mother of God. Brother and sister, God can and he will use you to bring his kingdom to bear even when you're not all that willing. Yeah, sure, Mary's exemplary because she was willing and I think she had a lot more fun in the task because she was willing. But this was still really tough. See, in verse 38, when she submitted to God's plan, she knew that there were potential problems. I mean, after all, what's Joseph going to think? Is he really going to believe that she's not been sleeping around on him? What, 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 are, her mom and, what are her mommy and daddy going to think about her? What's the wider community going to think? Is this going to affect her reputation? See, submission to God always comes at a great cost. So what's God calling you to do? What risks are involved for you? Maybe God's calling you to new levels of generosity. And maybe you're sitting back and instead of thinking about what's Joseph going to think, what's this going to do with my reputation, maybe what you're scared of, maybe what you're uncertain about, maybe what's troubling you is, will God really provide for me? If I do what he's calling me to do with my money. Maybe God's calling you to new levels of authenticity. Maybe he's calling you to uncover this lifelong pattern of sin or just a a really deep pain and hurt in your life. And he's calling you to uncover that to a trusted friend. And you're afraid. And you're anxious. And you're uncertain what's going to happen when you do. Maybe God's calling you to serve the poor with your life. Maybe God's calling you to share your faith with a family member, a friend, or a barista. It's scary. And here's what Mary teaches you and me tonight, friends. Mary teaches us that being afraid and being troubled and being uncertain do not keep us from submitting to God's surprising call in our life. So, brother and sister, don't let your anxiety prevent you from submitting to God. Let's pray. Father, that picture of um, of Mary shaking in her boots, damn, what's all this going to mean for her? Lord, how she might look look back at that event in her life some 30-something years later, 40-something years later. Uh, Lord, with no regrets. Lord, help us to know the reason we can do that is because um, we are loved and full by you. That it's not been impossible for a holy God to love sinners. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this gospel. In Christ's name, amen.